हेलो एवरीवन एंड वेलकम टू अवंतिका डिजाइनरिंग सीरीज और एडीएस एस वी लाइक टू कॉल इट एवरी वीक ऑन वेडनेसडे वी फीचर डिजाइन एंड टेक्नोलॉजी लीडर्स हु शेयर द प्रोफेशनल जर्नी दर थॉट्स ऑन द डोमेन ऑफ वर्क एंड डिजाइनरिंग वेयर द वर्ल्ड ऑफ डिजाइन एंड इंजीनियरिंग मीट मेक श्योर यू फॉलोअर्स ऑन सोशल मीडिया इंस्टाग्राम लिंकड इन फेसबुक एंड ट्विटर एंड विद दैट लेट्स कंटिन्यू विद योर शो In recent years the user centered design has become a widespread well beyond the design field companies and organizations ranging from NASA to IKEA and everything in between have benefited from adopting user centered design it is not one of those design trends that will come and go in the blink of an eye in fact as the internet and software technology becomes even more essential parts of our lives a user experience centered on the end user becomes an increasingly critical aspects of product and service design in this episode we interact with gaurav mathur vice president of user experience design at mintra his work has also been published in prestigious journals and conferences like chi and design issues not just that he has also spoken at various conferences including nascom design for india's design summit india digital summit and product leaders forum and that's why on our journey of discovering designering we talked to him about the crux of user centered design hello gaurav welcome to avantika designering podcast show it's a pleasure to host you on our show today thank you rohit for inviting me to the ads podcast delighted to be here super So as an icebreaker Gaurav while going through your website we came across your recent reads where we found that you've read start with why by Simon Sinek the question that i have for you is how do you define your why and what are some of the valuable learning that you have mastered over a period of time well rohit you've asked an existential question uh, why do i exist um so for our audience let me let me briefly summarize what simon senek suggests in this book uh, start with why and then let me try and articulate my why um so simon senek basically describes this golden circle uh, which starts with the why at the center and then uh, goes on to how and what uh, people and organizations generally focus on and the importance of articulating your why before you describe your how and what and a lot of organizations know what they do they know how they do it uh, however very few of them are really able to articulate why they do it uh, and what's their cause what's their belief why do they really exist um, and uh, uh, the book kind of highlights why it's important to highlight and talk about your why and why people connect with that more than what uh, they connect with the how and what um, so my why um, well i think uh, uh, these days i i Uh, tend to articulate my why as um, it's to bring delightful experiences uh, that enable people to get some work done easily um, and uh, uh, through my work i want to ensure that uh, people must enjoy their work right and it should seem as effortless as possible to them um, i look at this in 
really two perspectives. Uh, one is a product designer, and the other is a leader. Uh, so if I if I wear the you know product designer hat, uh, then it's to enable the users of the products that I'm creating to achieve their goal, get their work done easily, uh, to get a product to pro to get the product uh, and the interface really out of their way, so that they can focus on their task, right, and delight them in their journey, um, nudge them to the next logical steps, um, so that they can achieve their goals. And similarly, as a leader, I think managing teams, uh, it's a very similar kind of a vibe. Uh, it's it's broadly uh, how how it transforms into enabling the team members to do the best work that they are capable of and to achieve their potential. Uh, in some cases, it's to empower them, to coach them, to mentor them. And in some cases, it's also to get out of their way so that they can just focus on the work and and, and create uh, a fantastic experiences. Wow, Gaurav, what's interesting about your views is not only you've defined a why for yourself from a customer, you know, for from a customer's perspective, which all of us want to do, but even, uh, you know, uh, for, for your team and from their perspective, which is uh, uh, very rare to find. Um, and, and I personally believe that it's all about uh, good quality of people around you and 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 it's uh, amazing to hear your views that you know uh in in your why the team is an integral part of it so that's that's very heartening to know yeah team is very critical i think um uh, you know nothing is created um, as an individual these days it's a it's a collaborative effort it's a group effort and uh, i think the designers the team plays a very very critical role absolutely and moving from, you know, your start with the why, let's move on to your journey. So from architecture to masters in design and visual communication to you actually being a user experience leader, you've had a journey of multiple different dimensions. My question is, can you take us through your entire professional journey and how have you landed up being where you are? Well, I'll start with architecture, and I think architecture really provided me with a very sound design foundation and exposed me to um, various facets of design, uh, all the way from graphic design, spatial design, designing spaces, uh, visualizing in, th in three dimensions, um, to industrial design, to communication design. And uh, during my last few years of architectural education, um, I had started focusing on and exploring some digital tools. So inter internet uh, was still very young, in India um, in 99, 2000. And um, I was really fascinated with what all could be achieved uh, with this new technology. Um, I had started creating these uh, you know, small uh, messaging boards or forums as they were called at that time. Uh, and one of them was for my batch to interact with and uh, share photos. Um, I was also exploring photography. Um, I had in fact taken it as an elective during architecture and um, also heard about uh, masters in design at the IITs um, and decided to write an interest exam. Um, I was fortunate to um, you know, get through that. Uh, in fact, at one point I was contemplating if I should study urban design, um, a master's in architecture or um, a, a master's in design. Um, but I think uh, when I read more about the visual communication program, um, I had kind of decided on what I want to pursue. Uh, the visual communication program kind of uh, it was it seemed like a combination of everything that I really enjoyed doing. 
Um, and um, at that time, interaction design was not a separate course by itself, but it used to be an elective in the visual communication program. And uh, that's what I focused on heavily during my um, uh, time at IDC. Um, I also pursued typography, uh, book design, um, uh, you know, communication design in general, and uh, uh, worked on a, worked on some very very interesting projects um, in in the space of HCI and spatial design. Um, uh, right out of uh, IDC, um, I worked with a company called Media Lab Asia. This this organization was actually set up in collaboration with uh, the MIT Media Labs. And their goal was to take technology to the masses in India. Uh, we worked on some very interesting uh, projects. Uh, this was uh, pre-smartphone era. This was uh, 2002, 2004. And um, uh, we were looking at how do we take technology to the rural parts of India? Uh, how could we enable farmers to, for example, better understand prices of uh, uh, their produce in nearby markets? Uh, and uh, how can they make more informed decisions about where to go and sell their produce? Uh, we also worked on some Indic keyboards, um, uh, tried to understand um, uh, how, how else could technology play a key role in uplifting the lifestyle of Indians uh, uh, across uh, the country. Um, uh, after uh, Media Lab Asia, I also uh, worked with a company called uh, Island FS, and uh, they had uh, a division called Education Technology Services that used to focus on tools and products for uh, group learning needs. So these were uh, tools that a teacher could use in a classroom to teach uh, a large set of uh, students. And uh, we focused on building some of these tools so that the teachers could be empowered. Uh, they could bring rich content into the classrooms uh, and, and um, in a lot of ways improve what they are already doing in the classroom. Um, we focused on tools that could uh, enable teachers to create this content to uh, kind of stitch a lot of content together uh, for a class that they were planning to teach. Um, we then, uh, I, I then uh, ended up forming a small company called Trivial Innovations. Um, and um, uh, we continued to work on some of the educational products uh, while also doing some design services. Uh, we ended up uh, starting a small office in Singapore uh, uh, that I led for a while. And then I joined a company called Citrix uh, in Bangalore. Citrix uh, used to have a SaaS division that used to work on uh, products like GoToMeeting, GoToWebinar, GoToMyPC. Uh, these were tools that enabled people to work uh, from anywhere and enabled people to collaborate. Um, uh, Citrix was in a very interesting stage at that time where uh, they were taking a lot of these products to mobile devices. Um, and I was able to um, learn a lot about uh, designing for mobile and actually build some products there. Um, and then um, uh, join Mintra, uh, have been leading the design team at Mintra. And uh, uh, I'm sure a lot of uh, uh, our audience would have used Mintra at some point or the other, uh, at least browsed on Mintra if not bought. Uh, so Mintra is the destination for fashion and lifestyle products. Uh, and uh, uh, we cater to uh, a lot of diverse audiences. Um, and enable them to make fashion and lifestyle purchases very easily. So that's that's been my journey. I've been a designer all my life and uh, more recently have been leading teams. Interesting. So one question that I have got of in this entire rich experience, did you uh, start with the why or 
did it just keep happening? And now is the time for you to reflect back on the why? Uh, well, I think, uh, uh, you know, creating has been a passion. And I think uh, from that perspective, solving problems for others uh, was always a why from the beginning. Uh, however, I did not, I think, articulate it in this phase uh, uh, earlier in my career. And um, uh, there, is, there is always some point of, uh, you know, reflection that happens as you grow um, and as you work more. So uh, I don't think this, I, I would have phrased this the same way uh, 10 years ago. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, uh, Gaurav, my next question is about something that you spoke about at an event. You you shared a talk on five metrics to measure design. Can you tell us something more about it? So this talk was actually very specific to measuring design uh, for digital products. And, um, you know, I'm sure as students of design, a lot of us have pondered over this question. Uh, can design be truly measured? Because a lot of uh, design work is very subjective in nature. And uh, what could be some of the parameters to measure design uh, in, in quantitative terms? Uh, that was essentially the focus of the talk. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of subjectivity in the design craft itself. Uh, there are, design has a very visceral uh, quality. Uh, there are visual aspects. You, some, you see something and, and it tends to evoke a certain kind of a feeling, right? Sometimes there is an emotional connect. Uh, which is very hard to measure. Um, and on the other hand, there is also the problem-solving aspect of design. There is objectivity in design. Um, you solve uh, certain business problems, you solve certain problems uh, for users in a very effective manner. And uh, that's not really art, right? Uh, and I think that's the part that can actually be measured on how well a problem has been solved. So compared to some forms of design, I think, um, uh, digital product design makes it uh, quite easy to to measure uh, some of these aspects of the experience. Um, for example, in architecture, uh, there are certain aspects that are fairly easy to measure as well. Uh, for example, there is the area utilization, right? There is uh, circulation space versus usable space, energy consumption of a building. There are sustainability aspects. Um, uh, there are there is like parking, how, how many cars can a building accommodate? Those are very measurable aspects. While there are certain other aspects, for example, the aesthetics of the building, the form of the building, the spatial quality of the building, uh, which are very hard to measure. Um, you can get some feedback from the occupants, visitors, uh, users of the building, uh, but the architect will actually have to wait for a significant amount of time to get that, right? till the whole project is complete, till it has been actually, um, uh, since the use of the building kind of starts to get that kind of feedback. And it's also very hard to make changes because it's a very, very expensive um, uh, proposition to change a building in a significant way. Right? Whereas user-centered design is all about solving problems for the users and solving for business needs keeping the user at the center. And digital products are very uh, uh, malleable. You know, you can change them very quickly uh, as compared to some of the other products. Um, so we want to find uh, 
more value in our products like we all want to uh, all uh, want as creators of the products uh, our products should be used more uh, we all want to build habit forming products um, and so data informed ux design becomes very critical and uh, data comes in many many formats there is qualitative data uh, that a lot of designers are very familiar with uh, they run research use a research and generate this kind of qualitative data and then there is also quantitative data um, so another question um, that a lot of people ask is you know why why measure uh, what's the what's the use of measuring uh, design and i think uh, uh, measuring one acts as a benchmark so you know we can decide um, where we want to go from here now and we also want to measure so that we can improve our experience throughout the journey uh, so by creating certain hypotheses uh, and testing them we can actually say that did it actually improve the experience or did it actually move the business uh, in the forward direction uh, did it actually help solve some of our uh, customer problems and uh, uh, that's that's what the talk kind of focused on um, so uh, uh, these these five uh, broad buckets that you know i would classify measuring design into are uh, one is um, loyalty and satisfaction and uh, these tend to be very self reported metrics so these are uh, things that we actually ask our users uh, and net promoter score or nps uh, is a very common such metric where people actually indicate uh, how 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 likely are they to uh recommend this product or a service to their friends and colleagues right it's a uh, it's a reflection on the loyalty of the product um and on the customer satisfaction similarly there are customer satisfaction scores uh, there are uh, app store and play store ratings that anyone can go and check uh, and these all reflect how um how the user uh, perceives the product to be in terms of uh, uh, the loyalty and the satisfaction they get out of using the product so that's that's the first one uh, then there are usability metrics uh, these are metrics that uh, generally emerge out of usability studies so for example uh, what's the task completion rate for uh, a specific part of the product uh, what's the task completion time for this uh, activity uh, what's the system usability score right and there are many more um, so that's another bucket then there are broad user metrics so these are uh, indications of how many users are actually using the product how many users are uh, are we able to retain on our product how many users actually churn out which means that they they stop using the product after a while uh, what's our user growth like right so these are again very indicative metrics on um, how's the user base for a product growing or declining then there are behavioral metrics uh, these are metrics uh, um that you you get out of the product right so uh, these come from um uh, a lot of instrumentation that happens on the product and uh, they indicate what's what's the usage frequency for uh, uh, for our customer base how often do they come back to the platform how engaged are they um then there are adoption metrics uh, that tell us how how uh, easily is a new feature uh, in the product adopted by the users what's the repeat usage like what kind of paths do users take in your product you know generally a lot of products are very complex and there are different users who who take different kinds of journeys 
on the product. So for example, you could start by searching, you could, you could browse, um, et cetera. Uh, so that's, that's another set. And then the last set is actually conversion metrics. Uh, this indicates how do users actually progress in their journey? Where do they drop off? Um, and again, this is very uh, uh, telling of some of the usability issues that might exist in the product that uh, need to be resolved uh, or technical issues that could exist in the product that prevent the user from actually going to their next steps. Uh, so these are again, you know, clickstream uh, data, conversion data, uh, a lot of products track conversion funnels. Uh, they look at uh, how many people are able to progress to the next steps, how many people decline um, or drop off from that phase. And uh, if you track these, then you're able to focus on very specific aspects and uh, improve them. So, so those are the five broad buckets, uh, at least the way in which I see the, uh, I see product matrix or design matrix uh, that designers could use effectively and improve their product. Hey, did you know Mintra launched its first digital reality show, Mintra Fashion Superstar, on Mintra app on September 2019. It's world's first hunt for social media fashion influencers in a unique digital reality show format. The show is in association with Zoom Studios and will identify and reward India's next big fashion influencer. I think what I found very interesting about, you know, these metrics is that they are uh, blending, they're blurring the lines with the marketing metrics. I mean, these were some of the uh, metrics that you would, uh, you know, conventionally talk about marketing team leading it to now it actually getting into the uh, domain of, uh, you know, uh, uh, of, of designers. And that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. So actually there are, uh, I would say that, uh, they're both marketing and product metrics. So for example, marketing teams generally focus on how many, how many new users are they able to bring to the platform and through which channels, uh, they also focus on how many users are we able to retain, uh, and how do we, uh, if people churn, how do we bring them back again to the platform? Um, so those are the metrics that generally the marketing teams kind of focus on, uh, to a large extent, even engagement metrics. And then there are a lot of product metrics. For example, uh, product funnels are, uh, you know, very product centric metrics, um, where product managers, uh, and designers want to constantly evaluate how the product is functioning. Uh, how can we improve the journey of our users throughout, uh, the, the entire product, right? Uh, right from the time when they come onto the platform to the time when they, uh, start engaging with it, start using a specific number of features. Uh, how do we nudge them to use more features? How do we nudge them to uh, get their tasks completed uh, very efficiently? So it's a combination of a lot of metrics um, and you know, usability metrics tend to be very design specific metrics, uh, design and research specific metrics. So yes, it's a combination of a lot of uh, uh, metrics. Absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, my next question is about your work at Mintra. And, uh, you know, I'd like to start with a quote that people ignore design that ignores people. A famous quote by Frank Chimero. And this quote perfectly summarizes the importance of user-centered design. Uh, UCD, as it is called in the short form, is about gaining deep understanding of who will be using the product. The question that I have for you, Gaurav, is 
how do you ensure user-centered design is applied at Mintra and what has been its impact uh, to date? Sure. Uh, so I think today it's very hard to imagine a user-centered, user um, experience design process that's not user-centered or, uh, or goal-centered for that matter. Right? And I think understanding our users, their behaviors, their motivations is extremely critical to the entire design process. Um, and, you know, of course, we follow it at Pintra. Um, so we, we regularly, uh, regularly conduct uh, user research in various formats. We connect with our users. We try and understand from our users uh, what their pain points are um, and what could be some of the, you know, unsaid problems uh, that we might uncover in this process uh, where we could then apply design thinking uh, and product innovation to solve for some of these issues. Um, uh, we also work on a lot of internal products. So for example, there are a number of products that get used in the warehouses, uh, that get used in the entire logistics uh, process. Um, also certain products that we use for, uh, to interact with our brands and partners. And here again, the, the audience is very different. It's not our, uh, users who come on to Mintra to buy products, but uh, people who are trying to get things done in a very efficient manner. Uh, and once again, we, we really connect with them, try to understand deeply what their problems are, what, uh, what is it that is, that's uh, a hindrance in their workflow today, and how could we use that as designers? Um, so I think the, uh, the key impact, I would say, is in terms of developing in empathy uh, for our users, to not just shape the products, but also build um, and develop this empathy for the for the entire organization and for the set of stakeholders that are very involved in this product development process. Uh, and these are product managers, engineers, so that all of us together can focus on these problems and solve for user needs. Uh, it's very important for everyone um, involved in this process uh, to have a very clear view of the problems. Um, and to be able to focus on them. So I think that's uh, that's what user-centered design kind of enables. Um, uh, one part of it is what actually goes into the product building process, and the other part is um, uh, building this empathy across the organization. Interesting. In fact, Gaurav, today companies are asking user experience professional to use design and research at different phases of the development process and answer different type of questions. In fact, uh, given these increased demands, simply responding with test it in the usability lab is no longer enough. The question that I have for you, Gaurav, as a user experience uh, leader is how to pick the best user experience research method for each stage in the development process? Sure. Um, well, I'm not an expert researcher, but I'll give you my perspective. Um, uh, more as a design generalist. And uh, I, I feel that design and research go hand in hand and they need to be seen in the context of the overall product shaping process. Um, and, you know, as uh, as a lot of our uh, audiences will uh, can relate to, you know, a product goes through various stages in its life cycle. Um, so, for example, if you're, if you're in this stage of identifying a problem space, you know, what should we... Uh, uh, try and tackle what areas should we try and tackle? Where should our product really fit in? Uh, that's like an early stage for a company, right? And um, th there are very different kind of research methodologies that help 
solve for this um versus when you are in a very growing and scaling product stage uh, and there are different set of uh, research skills that come into play there uh, so for example so i think the question to really ask at each phase is what insights will help me at this stage of product creation uh, and how do i get there right how do i get those insights um and i think um for example if you uh, if you've identified a problem uh, that a number of users have and you want to get a better understanding of that problem space uh, how do you understand how users are trying to work around that problem today what kind of solutions are they adopting today how how could a better solution make their lives better right um how deep is their pain is it a minor annoyance or does it require them to invest a lot of time and energy and money to work around it and in such cases a lot of formative generative research methodologies are helpful uh, you want to you want to be in the users environment you want to uh, conduct a lot of contextual inquiries uh, you want to see how they work today um, if are they trying to collaborate how are they trying to collaborate what goes into that collaboration are they trying to uh, just perform one activity on their own uh, but the tools are not good enough and where those challenges exist uh what kind of information uh, would they seek from a product uh that would help improve their lives and then once you have a concept or an idea you want to validate it quickly right uh, a lot of companies call it the product market fit you want to make sure that you have the right product that uh, uh fits a gap um and and there again there are different kinds of research methodologies that are very helpful uh you would want to you would want to use some of the evaluation research methodologies um so do you do you end up building the entire product before you actually get any user feedback or do you start early with some mocks and prototypes that you can uh, put in front of users and start getting their feedback right a lot of gorilla testings are very helpful here uh, you want to get some quick feedback you want to use that feedback in the design process so that you can you can iterate on your designs you can constantly improve them and once you have a complete solution how do you identify if it's easy to use easy to learn um and their usability studies are very helpful uh so uh for example um how how would you track a product usage across multiple days right there are many products where the work happens over a long period of time and what kind of research methodologies could help here right there are for example diary studies that a, a lot of organizations conduct um and uh, i think i think the selection of a research methodology really depends on Uh, what you what what are the questions that you want to get answered so um, i i highly recommend a book called just enough research by uh, erica hall and um, it's a great book to learn about various research methodologies and uh, what amount of research is is uh, is just right to to get you these insights and uh, to move quickly to the next process see research at the end of the day is not the goal uh, by itself you know Uh, everyone wants to create a product absolutely and in fact while you were speaking about these tools one of the interesting uh, thoughts that i had is developing human computer interactions involves design on both sides of that interaction itself and um, if you look at it from the technology side the designer must have a thorough understanding of the available hardware and software components and if you were to look at it from the human side the designer must have a good understanding of how humans learn and work with computers itself 
In fact, that also leads uh, to my next question, Gaurav, is how can designers create effective and efficient interactions, balancing both these factors of, uh, you know, the uh, human computer interaction side? Yeah, yeah. So I think the domain of human computer interaction is very interesting because it um, it actually sits at the interact in the intersection of um, of human psychology, um, design, and you know design in its broad sense. So it it would incorporate communication design, visual design, industrial design, and technology. So you need to you need to kind of master all these areas. Uh, you need to understand human psychology, design, and technology to create really good products. Um, and I, I feel that successful products are really created when founders uh, or designers for that matter have been able to identify a problem, propose a solution, and have actually built it using technology. So you need to be smart about how much research do you need, how much design do you need, and how much engineering effort do you need to create a minimum viable product or an MVP that you can actually ship and test with users. Um, so I think uh, the designers of today and tomorrow, I think, need to uh, master a lot of skills in all these domains, uh, understand human psychology deeply, um, use research methodologies to uncover pain points, um, be a master of design skills um, and the design craft, and also understand technology to a large extent uh, and to use technology effectively in creating product. Interesting. And when you touched upon uh, the technology bit of it, and you'd also mentioned this earlier. In fact, user experience is inherently a multidisciplinary field is what I feel, and it requires a strong ability to collaborate. The question that I have uh, is how is this work being integrated with fields like data science, statistics, and communication? Some of these uh, you, are, you, you, you touched upon in your previous answers as well. Great question, Rohit. Um, I think design has the power to drive innovation um, and the act or uh, process of design really focuses on conceiving what, what doesn't exist yet, right? And uh, designers are always engrossed in this whole activity of, uh, of how do we create, how do we propose the solution uh, that others are not able to see. Um, and in this process, I think designers also interpret user needs and wants, um, as well as a lot of other data around product usage, um, uh, user demographics, et cetera, to shape, a, shape an experience, right? to shape a tangible solution. And I think uh, uh, there are a number of kind of informed leaps of faith uh, that designers make in this process. Um, uh, there, is, there is a lot of intuition goes on, intuitive decision-making that goes on in this journey. And, and this implies that, um, the, the whole design process is inherently risky, right? Um, and I think while designers can um, minimize the risk, uh, minimize um, uh, making inferential errors uh, by, by adopting a very rigorous design process, uh, we, we also must accept the, the risk that comes along with it, uh, which means that uh, new products uh, may, may fail. Uh, you know, you may have... Uh, uh, done a lot of your work, uh, but then when you put it in the market and they get used at scale, uh, there is a likelihood that they could fail. Um, so uh, I think learning about how innovation takes place, um, when do seemingly innovative products fail in the market, when do they succeed, 
what all goes into making a product or, or a service successful, um, right? As designers, we generally tend to focus a lot on just the design aspect, aspects of it. But there is a lot more that happens um, to make a business successful. And I think uh, it's very critical for, uh, for the future generation of designers to acknowledge that and to learn a lot of these other aspects, um, learn about innovation, learn about business, uh, uh, to make the experiences successful. Hey, did you know Mintra has announced the launch of Be Unskippable, a new brand campaign that highlights its role as a fashion expert for its customers. The positioning pivots on Mintra being the facilitator for people to make an impression with fashion. Beautiful. In fact, my next question is towards that. But before I move on to that, Gaurav, any example of an organization that you know of that is using it um, in a superb way? Uh, mind it, uh, we wouldn't want you to take example of Mintra, but is there any other organization where you've come across which is using this blend of design, uh, technology, uh, business in a, in a very interesting way? Well, I think a lot of successful organizations do this well. Uh, they've they've kind of mastered this uh, process of uh, of creating new products. You know, um, as designers, we often cite Apple as uh, as a great example of this. They've they've done this uh, many many times. They've also failed at uh, some of these. You know, which is the point that I was writing earlier. Uh, that uh, you might you might bet big on something, but then. Uh, you really see the effects only when you put it in the market. So, um, and I think a lot of uh, interesting tech companies are doing this uh, today. They're they are experimenting very quickly. Um, they're trying to learn from their users and uh, and then make small changes. Um, and a lot of times these small changes just go unnoticed by users. So for example, um, you know, if I ask you, um, what were the major changes that Facebook did in the last, like couple of years, uh, you know, very few people are able to cite really strong examples. Uh, it's not that they are not innovating, um, right? They, they are doing a lot of things uh, almost on a on a daily basis. Absolutely, Facebook Stories, yeah, and yeah. and now integrating it with Instagram itself, so you could post uh, both on Instagram as well as Facebook at the same time. You don't yeah. have to go to two different platforms and post. And similarly, a lot of companies keep making such uh, such changes, uh, such improvements to their products, um, uh, using using a lot of uh, you know data, uh, doing it in an iterative manner, uh, running experiments with a small set of customers, figuring out what works, what doesn't work, uh, throwing away things that don't work, and uh, taking things that work and improving them further. So that's that's the process, and I think. Um, I think I would say that all successful tech companies today um, are utilizing this to to some extent or the other, and I think Mintra is no different as well. Uh, absolutely, and that brings us Gaurav to our last question. At Avantika University, we designed this term called as we coined this term. I would say uh, called as designering, which is the base ideology that we follow. Now, my question to you is: How is this? blend of all design plus technology helping you to create a different experience for your users and is this relevant sure uh, well i think um, 
first of all i think it's a very interesting th- term that you've called uh, coined uh, designering um i also feel that there should be a business uh, uh, angle to this mix you know you should mix business as well somehow into the into the term um and i think um, it's critical to have business and tech insights uh, besides design to create a great product so uh, uh, you know we work very closely with both product and business tech business uh, and tech teams and uh, i think the need of the r is uh, to create t shaped professionals right so you have uh, depth of domain understanding which in this case would be design um, or engineering but you also have uh, a lot of breadth of skills uh, so that you can collaborate very effectively with, with experts from um, these different domains right so you could uh, you could collaborate with a business person you could collaborate with a uh, if you're a designer with an engineer if you're an engineer with a designer um, or a product person uh, and and we don't know in future there may be more domains that could emerge uh, but i think what will be critical is to uh, is to be able to shape people in this uh, in this manner um, and shape yourself in this manner so that you continue to have expertise of a certain, of a specific domain but you also have uh, the breadth of able to to work with others wow thank you so much gaurav uh, this was really insightful uh, very exciting and i'm sure our audience is going to our listeners are going to have a lot of take away from this conversation thank you so much for joining us on the show and doing this for us it was a pleasure talking with you rohit um, thank you thank you rohit and thank you to the entire avantika team for inviting me to the podcast best wishes for all your work thank you gaurav hey there we hope you enjoyed our show do write to us on ads@avantika.edu.in We look forward to your opinions, feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show. Do tune in our channel next week on Wednesday for a new story on Hub Hopper or wherever you get your podcast from. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.